You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. Get our simple seven-step guide to becoming your own banker. It's easy. Head over to sevensteps.ca and learn exactly the learning process required for you to implement this amazing strategy into your financial life. That's sevensteps.ca. How do real estate investors scale and grow their real estate portfolio? And how do you do it with other people's money? And how do you look out for what are the red flags you need to be watching out for, especially as markets shift? We are joined today by bestselling author, Russell Westcott. He's been all over the real estate scene uh, as long as I've, I can remember. And Jason, you know, we met Russell many, many years ago. We're so excited to have him here. He's got a, a massive breadth of knowledge to share with our community around some of the pitfalls that you can experience in the real estate game. Uh, he's lived through many. He was telling us about some of the skeletons in the closet before we hit the go button. And also, how can you really be positioned for maximized success, being mindful of some of those uh, pitfalls and red flags that you might see coming along the way, as long as you're aware and uh, looking for it. So Russell, thanks for being on the program today. We're excited about this conversation. Um, let's jump right in. You've raised a boatload of money to do joint venture deals. Walk us through how you got started in real estate investing at the beginning and how's that progressed for you so far? Well, well, first of all, I'm sitting here and I'm I, I can't wait to hear from your guest here today. I don't I'm not sure who that person is that you're talking about or did the introduction about. I'm 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 sitting there and going, I was about to get my pen and paper out and I'm going, man, I can hardly wait to take some whole bunch of notes from this person here. So so, oh, obviously, uh, you know, I, I always like to start off with a little bit of Canadian hu humility, right? So one of the hardest things we always have as Canadians is to talk about ourselves a little yeah. bit. So, so first and foremost, I always, whenever I do any kind of an episode or podcast, I always get into my heart space. And how do you get into your heart space? You get into your heart space with some gratitude. And most gratitude I can just say is just thank you guys. Thank you for reaching out. It's been many months in the making and a couple um, things like that. It's warmed my heart when I saw Jason on stage in Toronto, uh, you know, this spring, I think it was like eight months ago now. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just honored to share and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be part and share with your community here as well. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I know. I think I forgot the question. I think it usually <laughs> is, how did you get started? So, you know, it's usually the simple answer, like, I'll keep it tight, you know, just like Jason's apps, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is, you know, I was about to bring, I had one of those six pack holders, Jay, and I was going to just bring it out. And I was going to put it on here and draw little circles for your abs there, right? So we'll just keep the intro a little tight, just like your abs, right? So, uh, but first of all, both of you guys, it warmed my heart to see you. And Jason, you look fantastic. What you've Thank done, you. what you've done health-wise, and I've been watching from afar, and that's as inspiring as all heck. Like it really oh, is. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and you and, and Sue, I see on the side of your head, you're getting to be a, maybe a little higher and tighter. You'll get the same haircut as I have, but we'll we'll get that closer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the simple the real short answer to um how it got started was was really it was one of those um uh, pivotal moments in my life. It happened at age 30. 
and one of those birthdays that had a zero at the end. And at the 30th, I turned 30 and I was just lost. I had a, you know, don't get me wrong. I had a good job and I was doing well and I was climbing the corporate ladder and had a hot, fast car and, you know, the world by the tail and I was doing, doing really well, but I was lost. I was really, I had a fast car. The ironic thing is I had a fast car, but I was going nowhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And where does any young 30-year-old, and this was the turn of the century, year 2000, where does any young 30-year-old male go to turn for some spiritual guidance? I turned to Oprah. And I remember very clearly on Oprah, one episode I saw was Robert Kiyosaki. And he talked mm -hmm. about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the little purple book. And not the little purple pill, that's a completely different, different <laughs> topic. But the little purple book, changed many people's lives. It also changed mine. I know how cliche that sounds, but it really truly just changed the trajectory of my life. And from there, I decided that I wanted to learn all this stuff. And I picked up a book from the through the series and picked it up by Dolph DeRuz called Real Estate Riches, read that, which then led me to be introduced to a guy named Darren Weeks, who was the Canadian rich dad. I went to one of his events. And that was the first time I'd seen um, Don Campbell speak. Um, the founder, one of the founders of the real estate investment network, the person who really took it and grew it. Yeah. And I just kind of jumped in hook, line and sinker into real estate. And, and here's the thing, you know, quick time, time out here. I had no rights to be in real estate. I had never bought a property. I lived in a mobile home in Saskatchewan growing up. Um, I had only been in one house. I had never qualified for a mortgage. I had never bought a property ever in my life, but here I am jumping hook, line and sinker into real estate. And as the old story says, that was, you know, how long ago is that? That was 2000. That's 20, almost 25 years ago now. That's right. And I, I had one of those experiences a little while ago when I turned 50, another one of those milestone moments of what am I going to do next? Like I've been doing this for 20 years. What's the next mountain I'm about to climb? And that's kind of what I consider I'm on version 3.0 of myself right now. Mm where I'm reinventing a lot of things. I'm divesting of a whole bunch of others. We're developing and we're building and we're doing things new. All those mistakes I made in all the past, I'm going to keep making mistakes, but all those mistakes I've, I've learned from, and I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to clean it up and I'm going to keep moving forward with some velocity. And then I'm going to pay it forward and keep inspiring the next generations of Richards and Jasons and Russells and Melanie's and uh, Rebecca's and all the people that want to come behind and want to learn from all our mistakes and all our journeys. That's my next evolution. Oh, I love that. I, I appreciate that. the shout out to, uh, to Don as well. Uh, Don Campbell, amazing guy. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, you should, he's pretty fantastic. You should follow him on he Facebook. Sure is. He has some of the funniest posts I've ever seen, by the way. <laughs> um, and I, I remember, I think the first time I met you, Russell, actually, uh, we, we were at a, an event together in the Shaw conference center in Edmonton. And we went out for, uh, I believe lunch and maybe a beverage or two, and uh, it was at a Ron Legrand uh, real estate seminar. And do you remember one of the number one takeaways I have from that event with Ron Legrand? Everyone who doesn't know Ron Legrand, you can Google him. It was the it was the four SWs. Some will, some won't. So what? Somebody's waiting. That's <laughs> yeah. right. And the other is don't cry over spilled milk. Just go milk another cow. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, and basically that's it. Those are the tips for real estate. Everybody listening in, you now have it all. Those are the answers. <laughs> that, that, and uh, it was Mark, it was a 2003 that that was, I remember very clearly that. And if you ever go to an event like that, put your credit card away because $25,000 will be whacked on it before you leave. Right? Yeah. 
well, it, you know, Russ, uh, one of the things that you said that um, is just uh, it, really incredible because you're you're going to be creating and always have been, but you're going to be creating in this next chapter so much value for people because those mistakes and all of the lessons that you learned, that's all the raw material for your next chapter and how you're going to be creating and adding value and serving people. And man, that's incredible. I, we met through the Real Estate Investors Network. Um, I began my journey with real estate investing in 1999. I joined Rain in 2000, was a member till 2007 when I moved to the United States. And I learned a lot of lessons along that way too. But you have been on the real estate investment scene You've been consistent. You've been very clear about what works, what doesn't work, the rationale, the reasons why. And you also shared something back in the early 2000s where you said, you know, throughout the this uh, the seasons of real estate, there are certain seasons where you're going to see all the gurus popping up out of nowhere with all the courses and all of the, here's how you can make a ton of money in real estate. And then when the lever goes the other way, they all disappear. <laughs> and they're nowhere to be found. And so you've stuck with it consistently through every real estate season and then some, and you've seen a lot of things, but does anything surprise you anymore in, in the real estate investment space? Well, great, great question, first and foremost. And um, yeah, it's funny how as you start aging, you start reflecting back on a lot of things. You know, first thing I want to unpack a little bit, some of you talked about making the mistakes. Um, you know, I used to fear the mistake. I used to, I came from a, a place of insecurity, meaning that um, I don't want to be wrong. Like I never be want to be, I'm going to be that little boy, that little Russell, that people pleasing little Russell that never was wrong, that always had to make everything right. And, you know, you know, through lots of therapy and lots of, uh, lots of reflection. Um, sometimes one of the biggest lessons I've learned is through making those mistakes is to forgive yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. You made the decision, you took the action, you did with what the best information and knowledge that you had. And because so what you made a mistake, uh, I'm not trying to gloss over the, some mistakes were really catastrophic, like really big mistakes. Um, and I'm not glossing over it. I'm trying to gloss over and give people hope that if you have made a mistake and you have stepped on a landmine, it's not a life sentence. It's only a life sentence if you don't actually give yourself parole you are the prisoner of your own mind and you are in control of giving yourself a stay of execution and keep moving forward. And, and I'll be brutally honest with this as too, is as much as I love real estate and it's been my part of my life for 25 years almost now, sometimes I hated it. I, I honestly had the many, many a times I had to fall back in love again with what I was doing. I had to fall back in love again with the grind, with the monotony, with the, the going and doing over. Even after you've stepped on that landmine, you have to go through and you have to, uh, you have to do that work with things. Um, so to succinctly answer your question, I will get to your question. Has anything, does anything surprise me? You know what? Every day I get a little bit surprised about something because I have a beginner's mindset. When I start every day, I, I have a, an attitude that I just want to just learn something new and everything surprises me in some respects. But here's the thing is when you've been around the block enough times, you start to see patterns right. and you start seeing patterns surface and then you start extrapolating and taking actions based upon those patterns. Like I'll give you a real life example. 
So, um, are both you guys, are you both still in Alberta or, or you? Yeah. Well, uh, Rich is in BC now. My oh, heart's where? in Alberta, but yes. uh, physically I'm in Chilliwack, which is breathtakingly oh, beautiful. Well, I'm, I can see you on my window. I'm in Burke Mountain in Coquitlam. So I can, it's, it's quite gray out here today, but, but it's really nice. Right. So, okay. So Alberta, you know, had, was, had its run up from 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, and things were just going gangbusters. Like, honest to goodness, it was like 58% year over year growth. And people were walking into the room going, yeah, I just bought a place and made a hundred thousand dollars in a month. And, you know, egos were going rampant and just things were just getting out of control. The fundamentals, the, the pace of growth outstripped the fundamentals. I was seeing all that. And I made the mistake of I doubled my portfolio in 2008 at the absolute as you can go back and look on, on uh, look over price. That was the absolute wrong time to do that. I doubled my portfolio at a peak of a marketplace. So I literally saw the pain of nothingness, of flatness, of declines and, you know, no growth and evictions and NDP governments. Sorry, was that was that? Uh, did I say the quiet part? Out I, didn't, loud? I didn't hear so, that, but, oh, good. but yes. I think what you meant by that. We'll make sure we get the audio file yeah, something now. About, something about less jobs <laughs> and some yeah. market rents were going down. Yeah. Plus the values were, I think that's what you meant was what yes, you Yes, I 100%. So I saw all those things. And then you can also track the numbers and you can track the affordability getting to a point where it's getting too high and people can't afford to buy places and stuff like that. So I saw that because I lived through all that. So I was sitting back just kind of after a morning coffee, coffee, and this was February of 2021. And I started looking what was happening in British Columbia and Ontario. Okay, and I started seeing what was going on. I saw exactly the same things that in BC and Ontario that were happening in Alberta in 2007, 2008. I saw the I saw the trajectory that was going on. So I started advising my inner circle investors and my inner circle clients. Now is the time to start looking at divesting out of BC and Ontario. I'm not telling you to sell everything. I'm telling you to sell the bad, the marginal properties, the ones that are the pains in the butts, the ones that have tenant, terrible tenant profiles, the ones that are just constantly causing you issues, you know, divest of, you know, 20% or even more of your Ontario and BC properties and, and start early 2021 and be out by the end of 2021. Now, as I can say, and I look back upon this, I almost nailed the timing because I think the peak of those two marketplaces were March of 2022, give or take or something like that. Since then, a lot of those markets have come off. And I started advising people to pull those chips off of BC and Ontario and start, you know, moving it back into Alberta again. And just look what's happened in Calgary since that time of 2021 in Calgary. You could have legitimately doubled your money in that period of time. So, long all long-winded ways of saying that through time and experience and kicks in the you know i'm going to call the gut or maybe a little further south or right? the tight abs <laughs> exactly those tight abs <laughs> you you learn those lessons and then you can apply it the next time going forward and i'm now starting to see four new perfect four new perfect storms that are starting to brew again and that's what I'm advising my clients to do is to take advantage of these four perfect storms that are converging in one place at one time so anyways wow. I hope that answered your question it sure did and uh if you were able to you know with 20 25 years experience 
if you could go back and talk to Russell on day one, <laughs> what are some of the key things that you would share with him before he embarked on his real estate journey? Yep. You know, it's funny. I, I often reflect upon that. The, the first thing would be is um, 25 a year ago, Russell would have been too stupid to listen to me. First of all, he would have been too pig headed. He would have been too caught up in his ego. He would have been too arrogant to listen to future Russell, right? However, that wouldn't have stopped me. And here's the thing. One of the big regrets I have just of, of late as I've been reflecting upon this a bit, there's a little bit of a regret is that I didn't start in 2021 telling the message that I was seeing louder louder meaning guys Ontario and BC be very wearful of those markets right now be very wearful and start shouting it from the market tops and start mountain tops and telling more people I, I mainly just advised my inner circle at that time and now that I now that the time has passed I have a feeling if I would have been a little bit more forthright and a little more aggressive of that messaging at that time a few people would have been in less pain than they're feeling right now mm. so so that was a little bit of regret. So back to what I would have told, I would have told exactly what I just shared on the start of this podcast of some of the lessons that I've learned and just learned from some of the people that, you know, there's, there's a reason why there's some gray hairs and some gray, gray beard uh, of things uh, is to listen to those people that have been through the war before. Listen to the people that have rid all, ridden all the market waves. Listen to the person that is still standing because there's an awful lot of you know, all, all hat, no cowboy. I think it's all hat, no cattle of people out there of people that have been investing in real estate within the last five to seven years that, and I'm, this is no disrespect for them. I'm trying to be very, uh, not trying to be disrespectful. They don't know what they're doing. They really don't. They've only seen one market condition. They've only ridden one wave and it's been up. They've only had low interest rates. And yep. uh, honest to goodness, there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing, which, but, but here's the thing. I don't ever poo poo upon that person for doing for taking all that action because they're about to learn the lesson. They're about to learn some lessons and some of them will go away. Some of them will quit. Some of them will go crypto trade and some of them may go do something else, which is totally fine. But the ones that survive and get through this downtime will have abundance. And, and the analogy I use is um, one of my favorite movies of all time, Forrest Gump. We're all familiar yep. with Forrest, Forrest Gump. There's a famous scene in there when Lieutenant Dan and Forrest were on the boat and they were they couldn't find any shrimp and the shrimping was terrible, right? They couldn't find anything. And then all of a sudden the storm hit and Lieutenant Dan's up in the crow's nest and he's having it out with the, with the good Lord above and he's having his coming to Jesus moment. And then all of a sudden after the storm passed and all the other boats went away and all the other boats quit or all the other boats sink, the shrimping got real good. So That's those right. of you that are going to get through, if you're going to be the Jenny, the Jenny boat that gets through the storm, you will have very good shrimping ahead of you. Now, I'm, I'm not saying the storm is past and I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying there's not going to be another storm because there always is. It's just having that ability and having that skill set to be able to navigate the ship through any storm is absolutely paramount. Become your own banker and take back control over your financial life. Hey, is this even possible? You may be asking, can I even do this? Well, you better believe it. In fact, it's easy to get going. So easy that we've put together a free report 
7 Simple Steps to Becoming Your Own Banker. Download it right now. Go to 7steps.ca. That's 7steps.ca. Now let's get back to the episode. It's funny that you talked through the uh, the, the Alberta rise in that uh, that early 2000 period and, uh, and then the similar correlation in, in both BC and Ontario. I've had that conversation, I'm sure, no less than 20 times in the last year depicting that same analogy, that same story. And from my own personal perspective, um, you know, similar to you, you know, buying, you know, properties at that 2008 kind of level. Uh, yeah, I, I signed a contract to build one and took possession of it on 2008. And that property today, I could actually sell it for what it's worth, but, but not by a lot. And it needs a new <laughs> roof now and it's 15 years later. So, yep. so I, I'm very familiar with it, you know, that whole experience, probably just not to the scale that, that you were, and yeah, I, I, I it, went from I think I went from forty to eighty properties in that one year time frame of at the absolute you know now that I look back at it, I, it was the worst timing like the absolute worst timing. But and the recovery but, from that I suspect was was not only stinging and painful but what I think is interesting and I'd love to hear your take on this maybe you can expand on this a little bit Russell through through the the process of that acquisition and that doubling effect that that required capital but a lot of that capital to help get that done wasn't wasn't yours. It was through like OPM mechanisms. So maybe you can expand on that a little bit. And I'd imagine with the joint venture partners that you had at that time, that created a lot of uh, conversations that needed to be had following the aftermath of that, that, you know, acquisition and then the market shift. And then how, how did you, you know, manage relationships around that afterwards? I think there's probably very critical uh, learning opportunities for our listening audience about how a professional goes about dealing with that circumstance. Yeah. Now, okay. So, so I'm going to give you, there's two ways of doing it. There's the right way and then the way I did it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not going to tell you I was perfect in any way, shape or form. And I'm telling you after the time and going through this, the biggest learning lessons that I had of going through that process were, were, were as follows. Number one is um, I should have been more honest with myself honest with the, not that I deceived anybody, but honest with the investors of exactly what was going on. Mm -hmm. I, my insecurity surfaced up again and Pollyanna, everything is great. La, 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 la. Things will just turn around and things will come back all better. And la, la, la. Everything is wonderful. Right. And, uh, and kept doing and doing that. And, uh, and maybe at that time I should have had some more difficult conversations, made some more uh, bold moves and ripped band-aids off a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. But what I kept doing is I kept a, a slow bloodletting for years and not, and, and years turned into decades and a slow bloodletting over decades of things in a, in a marketplace that was, you know, not doing well at the time. Like, don't get me wrong. It was, it was totally fine. It wasn't Armageddon and all that kind of stuff. But when you buy at a peak and you're, you're, you're getting 14, $1,500 rent. And then the next year later, you're only getting a thousand dollars rent. You took a 40% haircut on your, your rents. There's no way it's going to cash flow. No way. And uh, I probably should have ripped the bandaid off on a few of those there, cut my losses at that time had real honest conversations with my partners, dusted off and started again at the bottom. It is not a sign of weakness if you do have to sell. If you didn't do it, if you took a misstep, it's not a sign of, you know, that prison cell I talked about before. I, I literally put myself in jail 
and purgatory for for many years along the on the along the path of doing this and and you know not within the last you know handful of years probably within the last five years is i've been i've been able to in many respects rebuild on a lot of this as well knowing all the things that i do know and so to answer your succinctly answer your question is i just should have probably had some more real honest conversations with partners along the way and told the truth about what was going on and it is okay if it is not going well it is totally okay the conversations i had with partners at that the ones that i did have with conversations most of them understood they really did and in some cases some partners lost money like they did not get their capital back and i lost sleep over that i for for years um suffered create anxiety and ulcers and stress and all that kind of stuff over these kind of things. But I had to forgive myself in order to move forward in order to get to what's next in order to get to the new opportunity you had to let I had to let go of the mistakes and the missteps I made along the way, in order to be able to grow and to build back better. And you know, with a lot of people that trusted me with the capital and didn't get their capital back. I've opened the door of a conversation with them if they are willing to want to be part of the rebuild, get back better. I'm not making any promises, but I'm making a commitment if they're willing and want to build back again, um, I would love to be part of that process and I will help them to build everything back that was lost. That's a commitment I've made to the majority of, of not all of the partners at the time. Some, some are willing, some aren't, and I can't control that. That's right. Yeah, it's and it's interesting to hear that uh, uh, story. And, and I really appreciate you uh, being so forthright with it because watching many other individuals who are in a similar circumstance as yourself and, uh, you know, uh, folks that I know that had a large portfolio, you know, in the, in the 50 plus range of doors and experiencing similar challenges because they've been in a growth phase, growth phase, growth phase. And then, and to some degree, you know, then you factor in things like, okay, doing, um, RSP lending and second mortgages. And, you know, the goal is acquisition. So, so, you know, some degree, some people weren't leaving much equity left in properties and it, it created an over leveraged type situation. And so I saw lots of individuals or groups that, that had um, real challenges and, and to some degree, many just didn't survive because of yeah. the methodology by which they were acquiring the real estate. Yeah. And so I, I think about those lessons and recognize, okay, for someone who's newer to this, or they're just getting started in the last three or four or five years, they were in a positive growing cycle. They might not even be familiar with what the experiences was when that, that cycle shifted. And so it's through having those conversations, going through that learning journey with someone else, else's um, a, a real life experience where you can develop the context to be able to think through how you might do things differently. Because yeah. you can't do anything differently if you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And it's through leveraging the the power of uh, real life experience like yourself that allows us to say, oh, I, I can see a picture now of what, what happened. How, what might I do differently? How might I go through that experience differently? What specifically would I do to ensure that I have more uh, peace of mind, protection, whether it's on the asset or whatever, so that I'm not in a similar situation when the market does eventually shift? Yeah. Now, you want to add one more and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but you want to add, add one more layer of heaviness on top of all that that you just said of what I went through is 
and I'm not, this isn't a no, oh, woe is me. This is just a, a person who is aware and reflecting upon 25 years of doing this. I, I was the guy on stage telling people to do this. I was, I was in this and I had my identity attached to this. I had my identity to attach to being sick. And I'm using air quotes for those that are, are listening uh, to being successful and making these things work and, and that stuff. And I, I, I truly, I lost a lot of sleep over, over many of those years uh, because, you know, some of the market calls that I, I was part of now, don't get me wrong. I, those market calls that I was part of, not that I just advocated and told people market calls and all this kind of stuff. I was in it. I was 100% in it. And, and I made some of those calls and, and in hindsight, they were the wrong call at that time. Okay. Now that's one of the reasons why I've probably have learned a few lessons. I'm a little bit more aggressively conservative on, on what I'm doing. Um, but at the same time, um, the point I was trying to get to is, it, sometimes it's that heaviness of that you put on yourself. Now, here's the thing. Whenever I have conversations with RAIN members from years and years and years ago, and, and I will sit there and I will say that I felt really bad about some of the things I was advising people to do in 2008. And look at me, I bought more property. Look at me, worship me. I bought 40 more places. And some people bought more properties. I felt heaviness about that. And when I talk mm. to RAIN members that did maybe the same thing at that time, every one of them goes, yeah, yeah, we, we made our own choices, Russ, you know, thank you. You inspired us and, you know, it sucked. Some of them really sucked, but some of them, if we got through it and we still own it, they're pretty close to free and clear now. So, you know, why, why are you so beating yourself up over it? We're not beating you up over it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, all progress begins with telling the truth. Yep. And so for, for you to, to be vulnerable enough and, and humble enough to share your journey like that, that's authentic. Yeah. People and aren't expecting the crazy perfection. thing. It's yeah. And sometimes the crazy thing is it's the, it's the story you tell yourself, which is usually worse than actually the real story with things too. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I still, you know, knowing what I know now, I would make some different 100% different conversations and different calls and stuff. And that's what I am doing. I am doing that exact same thing now with what we're moving our portfolio into and doing things differently. But at the time, I did the best with what I knew I could do at the time. And so when you think about building a future now that's bigger, bigger than your past, not necessarily, I'm not talking about bigger in terms of a larger real estate portfolio. I'm talking about a future that is fascinating and energizing for you. And you feel like you're really creating value for people. So yep. talk to us a little bit about that. Like what is, what's really energizing you right now about the, the real estate space and your inner circle and, and the clients that you're serving, what is fascinating you and bringing you energy around yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. A great question. So the simple answer was it was, so we're going to do a little cardinal sin here as we're going to date this. This is we're recording in January of 2024. So it would have been later, probably fall of 2022. Okay. okay. Interest rates were starting to go up. Lots of people are, had all variables and, and, uh, and uh, things were just starting to gravitate. Things were really slowing down. Some markets were actually going down, all that kind of stuff. So I sat back and I go, what is this market good for? Like, what is this market truly good for? And I sat back and I go, okay, what are the opportunities? Lots of problems there. You can 
you know, spend five minutes on the internet and you could just crawl up in a little ball and be sucking your thumb begging for mama, right? But what are the opportunities? So I really leaned into it. And that's where I came up, you know, to tie to the Forrest Gump Jenny story. I came up with the analogy of the four perfect storms that are converging at one place at one time, okay? And some people look at a storm as really devastating, but a storm can actually be very powerful. And if you actually harness the energy of the storms, you can actually create uh, uh, power and electricity and all and wind and all you can you can harness all that. So really, the four perfect storms that were aligning at one place at one time, Canada is still in a significant housing shortage. Like I've seen from the last numbers I've seen, um, I think we're 4 million homes short of just doing what we just currently need plus a normal immigration and birth patterns and stuff. We're 4 million homes short across the country. Okay. Wow. So that's a huge opportunity as for number one. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is in, in Alberta, which is my target market, the economic fundamentals were finally coming out of the deep freeze. They were finally, the GDP growth was starting to come. Wages were going up. All the population, Alberta added just shy of 200,000 people to the province in the last 12 months. More All than most those, countries. Yeah, exactly. Like I think Saskatoon has 200,000 and change or something like that. So all of Saskatoon moved to, to, um, to Alberta in the past 12 months. So all the, the wages and the job growth and, and, you know, pardon the you know, political comment here, good, some good policy and good governance and good stewardship started coming into play again, making the right calls and making the right moves and the right investments. So all those economic fundamentals were starting to come and start to drive again. Then if you go really drill it down deeper into, for example, my target market of Edmonton, Edmonton was being extremely progressive and extremely um, forward thinking in their plan, they are planning to add a million people to Edmonton and area in the next 15 to 20 years. Now, yeah. most cities will sit there and go, oh, well, okay, there's a million people coming. What are we going to do? Well, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. But Edmonton decided to make a change. They decided to open up densification. They decided to open up a lot more leeway for development. They started taking all those inner city lots on large lots, tiny little wartime houses, and they now will give you access to building four, six, eight units on those same places. So you now can add density on it. Okay, so that's the third perfect storm. First. First one was housing shortage. Second was economic fundamentals. The third one was densification and housing rules in my target market. The fourth one was um, a financing product has just come out in just recent uh, course order to incentivize people to build rental housing, to give you, you know, we're qualifying on some of our new builds construction projects right now for 95% loan to cost mortgages. Oh. Wow. 50, 50 year amortizations and we're getting interest rates in the low, low to mid fours. Okay. What? Yes. It sounds That's like incredible. a cash flow opportunity. Well, that is incredible. Huge. So, so that, and then just, let me just really blow your mind away. Now, if they incentivize us, I don't know if you heard recently that the Canadian government included in the cost of the properties that I'm building and purchasing and stuff includes GST. The government just gave us uh, an announcement that you potentially, if you're building housing for the purpose of rental, you can apply to get your GST rebate back. 
So if we're buying- Sounds like down payment capital on more builds. Well, if we're buying houses for 95% loan to cost, obviously there's lots of expense and there's lots of nuances and there's lots of things that I glossed over a lot of the nuances there. But if we're buying it for that kind of loan to value and we have a potential opportunity of getting 5% back at the end, um, sign me up, right? So right yeah. now in the process right now, personally between myself and my inner circle, just within my own personal inner circle, we have um, four projects 25 units that will be completed between March and July of this year. And within our build team, within our realtor team, and that we have 50, five zero projects in the ground in Edmonton, anywhere from six to 28 units in construction right now. That's, that's outstanding. So those four pillars, all are perfect storms, all are coming together in one place at one time. And, you know, I, I'm going to, what am I, uh, let me, <laughs> If you understand this word, you, you'll you'll get it. Is um, I'm going ham for the next half for five to ten years here. Right? <laughs> so, and and I that's had to have awesome. when I I heard that from the other day from from my kids and stuff. I go, what does that mean? They go, oh, that's what it means. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, I love it. So love there's it. some cool there's some cool opportunities out there right now and and this is what next version of myself is like that's honestly today all morning leading up to this call I was on the call with the team the construction team about finalizing closing we were on the team with the financing team about when we're going to you know get the lawyers and then also the property manager we're talking about lease up strategies like when you're going to add like we're adding 25 units to the portfolio in a matter of 3 4 months we got to have our ducks in a row in order to do that. But the cool thing is, is the fundamentals in Edmonton are really turning in our favor as well. Oh, that's it was a pretty new big announcement with some large investment capital coming in on uh, the upgrader row right there. Yeah, uh, if you just want to just go see something, like, sorry, I don't mean to jump over here. I get excited when we start talking about that. The industrial heartland, just go check out the industrial heartland. I think it's something like 40,000 direct jobs and we're talking multiple billions. Like we're talking, Alberta is now throwing around the B words again, meaning billions yep. of dollars in capital projects. And it's been a while yep. since that happened. Now, if we just get one more gatekeeper out of the way at a federal level, we may have a real nice um, shrimping ahead that, of us, if you will. That might be a fifth pillar in your, uh, that would in be your a, perfect definitely, storm. Yeah, definitely fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think I'm getting the tight abs for? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I'm not kidding. Um, you lit up like a Christmas tree when you started talking about what, what is fascinating you and bringing you energy. It's amazing to see that. Well, and, like, uh, and don't get me wrong, about four, three, four years ago, I, w I was not that way. Honest to goodness, it was, how's it going? Oh, kind of sucks. <laughs> and then, and and. And then my honest answer is, if anybody ever asks, how's it going? You know, I, I, my, my cheeky answer is, it's like a Charles Dickens tale. It's the best of times, and it's the worst of times all at the same time. Like, there's some really bad things going on, but there's some amazing positive things going on. And the goal every day is to try to eliminate, the, mitigate all the bad things and shrink all the bad things so I can get to all the good stuff that's ahead. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, Rich? Well, I'm, uh, I'm pumped to hear... Uh, your excitement and, you know, uh, again, you're talking about it. It's interesting to me because we have a wide listening audience. We have people who probably listening and they don't even know where Edmonton is. And we have a lot of folks, of course, in, uh, in the United States, 
And, uh, but you're talking about my, my backyard, or at least where, where I've, I spent my entire life existence prior to the last three years since I moved to the BC area. So my heart is there. And, uh, you know, a uh, quick story, Russell, when we, we decided to make the shift during COVID to move from uh, Sherwood Park to BC, we sold an acreage and uh, we had, uh, you know, just shy of four acres, beautiful area just outside of uh, Sherwood Park. And uh, I told a lot of people like, oh, they're going to have to pry my cold dead hands off the sign at the end of the yard. I'm never leaving this place. You know, like I was locked in. I'm like, this is it. You know, I'm going to, they're going to bear me in the back sort of a deal. And uh, some, some things changed for my wife and I with our kids. And we realized that there was going to be a change where we wanted a different lifestyle. We want to be close to the mountains and those kind of things. And, you, you know, living where you you are, you understand uh, the, the the draw of that. And so we, we actually sold our acreage at a pretty good loss. It's not that we didn't walk away with capital, but relative to what we put into it over a six-year period of time, let's just say there was a there was about $100,000 that didn't show up with us when yeah. we walked away. And so, you know, going through that experience, that's a, that's a personal experience, but we made a lifestyle choice to do that. I didn't, when I bought the acreage, I didn't, wasn't planning, it wasn't an investment. It was a place for us to live. We needed a place to do that anyway. So I, I don't begrudge that opportunity. However, what I do recognize is, how many opportunities were created for us because of making that change in the lifestyle decision. But here we are talking about an area that I, I, I would go buy my groceries, you know, the industrial heartland, not far up the way. And it's just so fascinating and interesting to hear your take, your look on it. And as someone who doesn't live there, although you're familiar, you have investments in that area, you, that's your zone and you know, the market fundamentals. I think it's important for people to recognize that you can be in a different area, live in a different area, and understand a specific zone, a target, you know, place, property, area, zone of a city, whatever it is, so that you can narrow your energy and your and your financial focus onto something. You know, Warren Buffett doesn't just, you know, throw a dart to the dartboard when he's buying companies. He has a specific strategy. He knows what works. He doesn't, he doesn't uh diversify, he focuses. And what I think the takeaway I have is that you're you're trying to help people understand that you can focus your knowledge base and your energy into that category to be more successful. Is that a fair assessment? 100%. And, and the other is, um, you know, really go all in, like go, go, go ham, sorry for that as well, but, but go all in on one path and uh, figure it out. Like I'll just, you know, just to just throw around a couple numbers, I'll keep them really high level just for, just for sake of conversation. Uh, one of the projects we're doing, we we bought uh, a property, inner city Edmonton, a 50 by 150 lot, 7,500 square foot lot, and it had a house on it too, inner city Edmonton, in a nice neighborhood, mature, beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. We paid, let's call it 300,000, included a house, okay, for mm -hmm. 7,500 square feet lot. A same piece of half that size of a lot, just the dirt alone to build out in the area I'm at is a million dollars, just to start. So we take that 300,000, we bill our build costs are 1.3 million. So we're into it for one six and change. And when we're done, we take one tiny little two bedroom house. And when we're done, we have a six unit multiplex on that thing. We have a side by side duplex, two suites, two garage suites. Okay. Wow. We've now taken it from one little two bedroom house to a six unit property. Okay. Um, rents on that are now just shy of $12,000 a month on that. The yields are now almost eight and a half, nine 9% on the yield on, on that as well. Especially when you couple that with the really nice financing that we're getting. And, and here's the thing is we're building it for one six, one six, five appraisals are coming in a couple hundred thousand dollars higher. 
than that because we have an arrangement with our builder and we're doing it on cost plus model and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Just for perspective to really blow your mind, and I'm not trying to do this in any kind of way of as a flex or any of this kind of stuff. The assessments, BC assessments just came out. Um, there are houses in the neighborhood that I live in, and we always check other houses in the neighborhood. The average assessed value of one house in this area is two, 2.2 million. So for $600,000, and, and we're talking, no, oh, nice houses, like maybe 3,000, 4,000 square feet on a 4,800 square foot lot and stuff yeah. like that. But we're talking $600,000 less, and I get six units as opposed to one house. And $12,000 a month in and 12, revenue. There is no way you'd be able to rent one house out this area for twelve grand a month. You maybe get four, maybe four, yeah. maybe four and change. Right. And, and wow. to buy that one, you got to pay roughly twenty-five or so thousand dollars as a buying tax just for the privilege <laughs> of purchasing it in the province of British Columbia. Yeah, that, that's and you'll the, also have to deal with some rent controls when you go to rent it. Yes, the privilege of owning in BC. You know, you do know as you live here now, Richard. You do know what BC stands for, right? Bring cash. Bring cash and and bring complications too. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, this was awesome. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. Uh, we are doing this again. And uh, because we'd love to follow, you know, your your journey and um, the, the this whole inner circle sounds really, really interesting. And you're obviously progressing by telling the truth. Yeah. Well, what I'm doing is um, in a smaller scale, like, don't get me wrong, it's nothing like what rain used to do in the day is, you know, I'm, I'm having fun um, sitting in my office with my dog snoring behind me and from every, the occasional dropping a, dropping a bomb or fart, if you will. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm just having fun putting out my podcast at the moment. You know, I, I, I joke I have a face for podcasting and, and um, you know, I think we're 190 episodes deep into the podcast yeah. as well. And and I'm still, I don't know why, but I just, I still am, I'm, I'm grateful and honored, whoever listens, but I'm also extremely, I go, really? I, you know, how many hundred thousand people have listened over the past? Well, well that's pretty kind of cool. Like, I, I don't know why, but at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful and honored with that. So that's just kind of where I've been really spending my time is, you know, helping out people that want help. Yeah. And at the same time, sharing my 25 plus years of wisdom and, and doing a little legacy project of putting something down to pay it forward to generations of people. And um, the last thing I'll probably say is, you know, I've stood on the shoulders of so many giants on my path along the way. Um, I know I'm not a very tall guy. I'm, you know, stand five foot seven at best on with wearing my my kiss boots, and uh, but I like to believe I have very strong, broad shoulders, and I would like to be that sh giant that I people can stand on my shoulders, and they can see very far ahead because they've stood on the shoulders of giants. Really nice, love it. Brilliant. Thanks Rich, for being with us, Russell. Um, you know, on that note, you've, uh, you've shared so much gold with us today, um, a, a, a journey and the, the ups and downs of it, which you can't take away from any journey in life, I don't think. So uh, it'll be highly valuable for all of our listeners. I think the last thing we'd like to know uh, that you can share with us is mm -hmm. as you consider the next best decade of your life and as you move forward, uh, being a giant for others, you've kind of shared a little bit about that, but who would you say specifically would you most like to be a hero to? Wow. Um, who would like to be here? Well, first and foremost, to my kids and my wife, right? Um, uh, that's every day. That's what I get up and I, I run that race to try to 
you know, to be a, a hero to my wife and, you know, thank goodness she's still my biggest fan. Um, even though we have, we've had some ups and downs and some challenges and tribulations, you know, by and large, she still is my biggest fan and biggest cheerleader. Now, to succinctly answer that a little bit deeper is um, another one of my written goals that I have on my whiteboard over here is to impact 1 million, 1 million real estate investors with the tools and resources to help you buy one more property. Okay, because I know what the power of one more property is. If you just buy one more property held to the course of, let's say, held to 15 to 20 years, that you have a tenant that pays it off, even if it goes up, no one, like nothing in value, right? That is life changing wealth. Like it truly mm -hmm. is. Like if you bought a half a million dollar house and you held it for 15 to 20 years and a tenant, you rented it out and the tenant paid it off and it never went up a dollar, you just created a half a million dollar pension plan for you going forward. So my mission is to help everybody, help a million people with tools and resources to buy one more property. Well, let's see how many people we can help you help <laughs> in that mission. And uh, we just want to say, uh, express sincere gratitude uh, as well, Russ, for having you on the show. And uh, people can uh, connect with you at russellwescott.com. Again, that's russellwescott.com. We will include that in the show notes, but take a moment to head on over, get connected with Russell, tune into his podcast. Uh, this is a fellow that you want to follow. And both Rich and I have had the pleasure of being acquainted with Russ, knowing him for a few decades now. And uh, this is a guy that you definitely want to follow. And for all of our viewers on the YouTubes, You've just seen another video show up. That's courtesy of our editing team. That's a video that we recommend to you because we want you to continue your journey of learning. There's always something new to learn. There's no such thing as having arrived in knowledge. And so, uh, gentlemen, this was uh, just a real pleasure. Have an outstanding rest of your week. Uh, Russell, thank you. Thank you again for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We will uh, do this again. Honor to serve. Honor to serve. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.